0: Well, Father Jonathan, happy new year. Have we had a Have we had one of
1: these? One no, of these? we did. No, we did. You don't even remember we've done this.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, oh, yeah, we talked about wedding at Cana. Did we talk about that one?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that was it.
0: Okay. So we just actually missed two weeks of recording, um, which is fine. I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, that's okay.
1: Yeah, we could be prepared for these kind of things, but we're not. So there you have it.
0: yeah it's fine it's fine it's like the lord he can come at any time that's right and he's got to be the holy spirit he's got to be prepared (laughs) hey uh so welcome back uh to to our little thing here i did miss it frankly but you know i've been on the road and haven't had a regular mass to preach at on sundays anyway uh so i didn't really have a homily to share about at all or to prepare for um even this week, I don't have a homily to prepare for, but I'm happy to spend time talking about what's coming up for the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I think it's an important practice to do—I mean, it's prayer, right? You you sit with the Scriptures, and I had this—I preach. may have mentioned it before, but I had this—my preaching instructor, who's a Dominican, uh, said that he writes a homily every single day, regardless of if he's preaching. Oh, wow. Uh, because it's it's time spent with the Scripture, and so I think it's an important yeah. endeavor— whether or not we get up in front of people
0: yeah i like that hey uh really quick before we jump into the sunday the fourth sunday um i was talking to my spiritual director recently uh and he was asking me about my daily prayer and in shame i had to admit how little prayer i do and how great my desires are but how little my execution is um and I said, you know, part of the problem in in priestly life is that so much of my prayer is like work. Like I I spend a lot of time preparing my homily in prayer, but it doesn't, it's not like personal time with Jesus for the sake of it. It's kind of like to like write a homily, you know, Um, which is not not prayer, but it's also (laughs) a little bit like work. Well, Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I would push, I would push back a little bit on that because it's not, it's not prayer. You know, we don't, we don't, you don't want to fall into that to that um, trap of saying, oh, well, my work is my prayer, which is a way of saying, I don't pray. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. Your your job is not a regular job. (laughs) Mm. And so I think, I think that it is important for you to be in the cycle of the readings. Like this should be the way that you, you know, this is the air that you breathe at the parish, right? This is the, the things that you're going to be talking about every single day, whether it's in preaching or, You know this is the way that you that yeah i think it's like it's like the way that the office of readings should be
0: Um, yeah that's right that's right so what one piece of advice that he gave me uh which i think fits well with what you're saying although now that you're saying it with the daily mass readings it might not work anymore but uh his suggestion he said that he's seen some priests that are pastors actually spend some daily time praying over the past sunday's gospel um It's like what they had preached on. So, actually, spending time with that after the fact um, because there's no pressure to preach on it again, you know? And so they can just go back to it and sort of do a repetition of what they preached on the previous Sunday. I thought it was kind of an interesting idea. I never really considered doing that. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I
1: like that, you know, and it it reminds me of that experience that I had when I was visiting you over Christmas. Um, And I think I mentioned to you that when I, after I sat down from preaching, I realized how I actually should have ended that homily. (laughs) Yeah, and so like that was an opportunity for me to to sit and to like kind of like what you're saying, go over the graces of of that of those readings again and say, oh well, this is you know here's a better way of looking at that.
0: That's That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, good. Well, hey, let's jump into the fourth Sunday. Um, right off the bat, what do you think? We got Jeremiah. We got Jesus uh, in Nazareth. Uh, what do you What do you thinking?
1: Yeah, you know, the thing that struck out struck out. The thing that uh, stuck out to me uh, the most was actually this Corinthians reading, which yeah is so like overdone. Yep. This is the wedding thing, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, something in particular stood out to me, and it was the fact that. Um, that first part, brothers and sisters, strive eagerly for the greatest spiritual gifts. Period. Okay, great. We do that. But <laughs> I shall show you a still more excellent way. Hmm. Uh, and you know that, and it's it's this um, love is what he's, what he's getting at, and that's a very human thing. It's a very divine thing. This is what God has, has given to us. This is what God is in perfection with the Trinity, right? But but I I was really struck by this very human thing that we engage in as being the still more excellent way. Like so often, you know, you and I get caught up in, oh, well, I've got to have uh, the human and angelic tongues, and that's what's going to get me to where I'm going. And St. Paul is like saying, he's saying, okay, cool, but that's not exactly what is the most excellent way you've got yeah, to take it yeah. up a notch and remember that great speak with angelic tongues uh and you know human perfection as well but it's got to be you your heart has to be filled with love with compassion with yeah uh with tenderness
0: yeah you know where i thought you were going to go with this uh i thought you were going to like set up a difference between like the the paradox of something being more excellent than the greatest
1: mm yeah Well, that is another interesting thing to think about. Like,
0: uh, yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Like, strive for the greatest and (laughs) hear something even greater, you know? Yeah. Um, Actually, there's like a whole homily in that of like how God is always greater, like, you know, this is St. Anselm's, you know, proof of the existence of God, you know, that which nothing greater can be conceived or whatever. Um, And if you can conceive of it, you know, then of course God is greater than that even still. Um, Anyway, so there's something really beautiful in that, that the mysticism of always striving for more, the higher up, moving Mm -hmm. up always, you know, and the still more. And I I like the phrasing there, it's still more excellent. Yeah, well, Um, I think that's why
1: this, this language of love is so important, you know, and kind of the second point that I would point out to is when, at the end, when he starts talking, when I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, blah, 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 blah. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. Yeah. But how often do we speak about, you know, love never fails, hope, love, uh, these three, but greatest is, you know, we, th- we speak of those in childish ways. <laughs> and here St. Mm. Paul is saying, okay, put away childish things. But remember that this thing that you want to bracket off is not that but it's rather the 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 means by which you will strive to that more mm-hmm, perfect mm-hmm. that perfection that lies yeah. uh, in the embrace of of god
0: yeah yeah no that's great you, you know the my first my first look at this reading i immediately rolled my eyes and had a strong aversion to it and i said <laughs> i'm not preaching on it it's like <laughs> It's like what we always see in the in the in the weddings. But now that we're talking about it, I think to myself, you know, not only do I have a prepared homily <laughs> already for this, uh, because of the many times I've had to preach this reading, um, I actually do think that there's great kind of cases that could happen with what this is actually about, um, and not about like wedded love, but about the love that comes from God yeah. as you know, the, as the as the theological virtue of charity, and not just you know the The love that's that's shared by spouses, which ideally points towards the love Mm -hmm, of God, mm -hmm. but is not exactly contained by it. But there's still a more excellent Uh, way. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when I often preach about this at at, uh, weddings, I talk about how love is patient but you groom usually are not you mm-hmm. know love is kind but you bride usually are not why because we're talking about God here and if yeah. anyone is gonna be patient in this it's gonna be God as your foundation you know and if love is the foundation meaning that God is so I preach about it usually that way and it's usually works out really well to keep God in your marriage like that whole idea but one thing I wanted to point out to you that I, I really re- respect about what you're saying is that uh, there's a lot before the love is patient and there's a lot after the love never fails mm like like the reading gets truncated in the wedding yeah and so all that stuff about like at present we see indistinctly at present I know partially when I was a child uh, and also the stuff at the beginning about striving eagerly all that is missing from the wedding reading and I think it's important context you know to describe what love actually does so uh, I'm thinking not just how the descriptions of love here as patient kind inflated etc um, but also so like we know partially and prophesy partially um uh we see as children do um we see indistinctly so like our knowledge and our sight is limited but somehow that god's love opens our minds and opens our eyes so our eyes can see more than what we normally see through love Mm -hmm. so what does it mean for love to perfect your sight what does it mean for love to perfect your knowledge? Well, there's something in that that I find very beautiful. An invitation to a real conversion is that we used to see a certain way and God's love is so strong and so powerful that our sight is actually transfigured. And so is our knowledge. And so that's a good question for me. Is like, have yeah. I allowed love to change the way that I see the world or the way that I see myself or the way that I know?
1: Yeah i mean i think i think this this metaphor of the child is is so appropriate in this situation because think of the way that children think right their their immediate surroundings are is the entire world and is the only thing that matters and mm-hmm. think about all of the times in you know in in married couples or friendships or whatever it is in all aspects of human life we tend to um, limit those experiences to being, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? We try to put those up as kind of the ultimate end for which we were created, yeah. <laughs> rather yeah. than yeah. what this reading is calling us to, is to recognize that these things, going back to the principle and foundation, all of these things are created to help us towards that end, which for which mm-hmm. we were created, to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's so, great, that's great um you know just a quick pivot uh based off of that idea i think that the alleluia verse for me uh unfortunately is missing from the gospel text i find that the gospel text starts too late for (laughs) my taste so luke chapter 4 uh starts like chapter 4 verse 21 where the gospel begins is at the end of jesus is speaking in the synagogue um which I find bizarre because it starts by saying Jesus began speaking, but the last <laughs> thing that he says there, the the first thing he says in the gospel reading today is the last line of what he actually says. I just find I just find it really bizarre, you know. So. What he does say in that uh, preaching in the synagogue, though, is about how in Isaiah, you know, bring liberty to captives, glad tidings to the poor. And then today this is fulfilled in your hearing. So what I find very striking about that, maybe connecting it to like allowing the Lord to change our expectations of what it means to be adults and children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like what 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 is the goal of Jesus's saving work? It's like he summarizes it in the words of Isaiah. It's to bring glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, all of that sight to the blind. And it's it's precisely through love that he does all of that, like like we were talking about with love before bringing changing the way that we see, seeing things in a new way. Well, he comes to bring sight to the blind, you know, and that's that's his mission of salvation. Um, and all that is fulfilled in our hearing, because perhaps we see ourselves reflected in those poor people who are blind, who don't who only see through a, a glass darkly or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know what I, I always find so fascinating about this reading uh is how, you know, how much how often speaking to that childish mentality, how often we think of, oh, these these ancient Hebrew people who, you know, they were so dumb, lived out in the middle of nowhere, blah, 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 blah. Look at mm-hmm. us modern peoples and our technologies and our smarts. And look at the way that they respond to Jesus challenging them and saying, Look, Elijah went to the went to the widow, uh, Elisha, yeah. name in the Syrian, this outsider and their response they were all filled with fury
0: <laughs> yep like yep. we still do that that's exactly yeah.
1: our response like we've learned yeah, they nothing they were triggered
0: they were absolutely <laughs> triggered by him
1: yeah yeah so i
0: mean why do you think that to, was to your question, why do you though, think like, they were so angry
1: i don't know i don't know that's a really good question um i guess i could spend some time uh studying a little bit more
0: <laughs> but yeah
1: uh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, he he's certainly challenging what kind of what you're saying. Like, you know, we want we want the king to come and uh, the Messiah to come and uh, set me free. And mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, well, yeah, that'll happen. But you have to remember, like, there's a lot of people out there who are in a worse way than you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know and uh, yeah I, I hesitate to make this into a like a, a social concern only like oh well yeah whatever all that means but yeah no there's something actually,
0: there. actually okay so uh, as you were talking there I was I was thinking a little bit too of okay the the trajectory here moves from uh, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing and all spoke highly of him and were amazed had the gracious words that the gracious words that came from his mouth and then they were all filled with fury like that's the move is from there to there yeah. uh and what happens in the intervening verses is Jesus uh is Jesus uses a Syrian and uh a widow mm-hmm. from the land of Sidon so there's an insult there that's implicit hmm. that these people from Israel from yeah the land, uh, the promised land, are being compared to those Syrians mm-hmm. and those from the land of Sidon as the ones who received yeah. the prophet. The outsiders. And so, the outsiders, exactly. That's what you were saying, right? So, like, Naaman was an outsider. So, maybe they took insult because Jesus is speaking how the word of God came to people who were not the chosen people. Yeah. Um, Which and is that they, funny to yeah, think
1: about. Because it's literally the Son of God telling them, <laughs> this.
0: right, 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 which is precisely what he means. I think by like this word is fulfilled in your hearing. Like yeah. I am here. Yeah, I'm saying this yes, to you. Like, wow. No, that's interesting. Um, I, uh, yeah, that I like that, and I, I, I like the idea too of the, what we're talking about with childishness. I mean, is there something there about like childish, not childlike faith of of the of the Israelites, of not even recognizing what they have. Like, children don't recognize what they yeah. have no, that's when thing. they have it. You know? It's like, it's like, do you not realize that this house that is built around you did not fall from the sky? <laughs> like, you have so much good, you know?
1: Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to sit with that for a little bit longer. Uh, I do like that. There's this. There's this encounter that they're literally having that, you know, we talk about all the time as being that conversion moment for the Christian. Like, Um, it's not about witnessing miracles it's not about any like yeah big moment it's having that earthquake that St. Paul speaks about that that Mm -hmm. encounter with Mm -hmm. the living God that they're literally having and yet they're being filled with fury
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, God is literally in their midst telling them, you know, the good news for them and for their salvation and they're amazed. But then he says that, you know, that God loves others too. And they get angry. They're so childish. Like it's yeah. a very childish response. The reason I'm emphasizing the childishness is because of course, as we said in the second reading with, uh, when we were children, you know, maybe how love can change a child into an adult. Um, but then in the first reading just to you know, nod to it before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So there's also this language there of, children like yeah. there, there there's all this theology there about what it means to be small in the eyes of God and be raised and gestating in our womb in the mm-hmm. womb of our mothers and growing like how does a christian grow a christian grows by the love of god you know um so i i
1: also jumped to the first reading you know because i was there but it was that second part that really struck me about it but do you but do you gird your loins stand up and tell them mm. all that i command you this isn't just a passive thing that you yeah. need to be, oh, well, the Lord—like, these people in our gospel are are proof of that. Like, yes, the Lord knew them before they were formed in the womb. But did they yeah. grow in—no, they couldn't, obviously, with Jesus not being there, but certainly some people did, the ones that followed him. Um, did right. they do what the Lord had commanded them? Did they gird their loins? Did they protect themselves? Were they prepared? Girding your loin is, is is preparing yourself for, uh, for a battle or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. so like, are
1: you putting yourself up? Are you allowing the Lord to... We just had, I think in our daily readings uh, last week, you know, we had the account of David and Goliath. Are you putting on this earthly armor of the king or are you putting on God's armor?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah. Hmm. No, that's good. That's good. Let's try to tie, tie it into some something neat. I mean, maybe not perfectly <laughs> neat, but is is there some thread that you're that you're harmonizing with here. I am I'm, tr- I'm struck by the childish thing still. Yeah. Um the move from speaking highly of God and then moving to hating him um you know by referencing these foreigners. Like that's such a childish thing. So like that to me speaks of something. Like mm-hmm. we're still children. Like all of yeah. our obsession with like fighting everything now and like yelling at everything is so childish, you know? Mm-hmm. Um maybe there's an indictment there of our modern obsession with, you know, like lambashing anything, you know? Um, it's a very childish knee-jerk reaction, you know, and how does love require us to be better than that, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it it does come back to that second reading, you know, because we are, you know, we've got it in our minds that we know what love means and we know what it takes for me to love somebody or something. But it's always wrong. (laughs) And society and culture right now is a great example of how that we have failed at, at right. loving, and so right. I think that there's right. this 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 striving again. Going back to that that first part, like okay, strive for the greatest spiritual gifts, but there's still a more excellent way. You're not done. You're never going to be done. Hmm. Um, There's still more that you don't understand. There's still more, even though the Lord formed you in the womb, before yeah, before all that stuff, before you're born, right. I dedicated you, gird your right. loins pull up your big boy pants and do what you need to do. <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I think no, it's I good. Think there I like is that. There's something
1: there in this in this kind of progression of, you know, and Jesus speaks about this in in other um at other points in the gospels, right? Like, you know the prophets, you know the law, do that.
0: Okay. Exactly. Once you've done yeah. that,
1: now we can, you know, we can we can talk and we can move from there. But don't try to jump ahead to the to the more advanced thing before you've got your don't you can't run before you can walk kind of a thing
0: that's right that's right that's right that's great man well good well good i'll just echo you know your normal parting thought invite people to go pray and see what the lord has in store for us yeah for sure all right buddy all right pal till next time